www.ArtsAnyWhere.com. Business inspiration for architects, engineers, and contractors. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the AEC Business Podcast. This is Arnie Heiskanen, and my guest today is Jason Maliki, principal at Rattleback, a marketing agency for professional services firms. And we are going to talk about architecture and engineering for marketing and how it should be done right in the digital age. Welcome, Jason, and it's great to have you on on the podcast. Thanks a lot, Arnie. I, I, I'm, I'm excited to be here, and I appreciate you doing this, because I know it's a lot of work to run a podcast series. And so uh, thanks yes. for everyone that you're, you're taking the time to do it. Yes, thank you. And um, first of all, of course, I'd like to, we, we haven't met actually, um, and um, I'd like to know about your background and how did you get interested in AE marketing? That's a really good question. Um, you know, so I've been in the agency business for about 15 years, and I would say actually one of the first clients I ever took aboard was a commercial construction firm that operated sort of in our local market. So I've actually been sort of working with AEC firms in some way, shape, or form the entire time um, we've, we, I've been in the agency business. Um, I think it was probably three years ago when we just made sort of a, a more strategic decision to say we wanted to be a, a specialist agency, so an agency that specialized in, in, in a certain type of clientele. And we we for whatever reason, you know, over over time, we we had some pretty good successful relationships with a number of engineering firms, and we found those relationships to be rewarding. You know, we found engineers and uh, to be good people to work with, um, and so we said, well, let's get you know get commit ourselves to a, you know a little more narrow um, sector focus, and uh, we've been doing that for three years, and it's for me, it's been really rewarding just because it's led us uh, really just work with a lot of really interesting people, solving a lot of really interesting challenges related to just sort of our, our global economy and built environment. Yeah, that's that's good. But uh, how did you come up with the name of the company? <laughs> <laughs> that's a really good question. So uh, this is actually a second generation agency. So we've been in business for 41 years and it was originally founded by my father All right. under the name Maliki. And uh, I recognized when I came into the business that we really needed to change the name for a couple reasons. One was really that um, I felt like it was it was sort of pushing all the focus on on me individually when I really wanted it to be more about our team. We wanted to build something uh, a little bit more uh, team oriented and, and sort of collective. And uh, and then the second reason is just uh, quite frankly, Maliki's hard to spell and hard to pronounce. And so while people could remember it, they couldn't find us sometimes. So. All right. Um, the name, the name Rattleback. Actually, we did a, we did a pretty pretty long naming process to, to arrive at it. But but a Rattleback is actually a it's a top that only spins in one direction. So if you spin it the right way, it spins effortlessly and smoothly. If you spin it the wrong way, it actually stops and rattles and reverses course. And we just liked it as a metaphor for our client work. We feel like that's sort of our job with a client is to help them get unstuck, help them get on the track to growth, get focused on the things, the right activities that are going to drive, you know, meaningful leads, meaningful conversations and, and lead to new business. So th- that was sort of the, the impetus of the name itself. All right. That's uh, that's a nice story. Actually, I, I remember I, I met a consultant years ago in Barcelona and uh, he had a pin on his um, sleeve and, and, and it was a uh, uh, kangaroo. 
And I asked wh why, what's the meaning of, of that symbol? And he said that a kangaroo is the only animal that doesn't go backwards. Huh. <laughs> yeah, that's a good. That's true. I mean, I never thought about it, but it's absolutely true. I don't think. I think they physically can't. <laughs> yes. Tail. Like they so, literally cannot go backwards. Yeah. So so I I, I like like these uh, names that that have a, have a meaning, but um, well, um, um, perhaps we should talk about marketing and especially in AE firms and and what are the challenges I, I know personally I've been an architect and um, worked in the business and uh, later on as a consultant I know that one of the first challenges of course is that there they there are not they are not good marketers <laughs> <laughs> so 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 they it's it's something that that's not in their nature so to speak yeah. But but what what are the other uh, challenges that you meet when you have? Well, I think I think your comment's a good one. I always joke that there. Just to kind of like play off that a little bit, I, I always joke there's a love hate relationship for marketing. It's one of those things where um, it, firms sort of know they need it, but they don't really know what it is, and so they they do one of two things: they hire a relatively junior person and, and ask that just kind of throw them at at a bunch of tasks, or they take a senior uh, partner who has no marketing background and just sort of thrust them into the role and just sort of kind of give them a sink or swim like okay you know figure this out um, so I think that you're you're you rightly point out that I think it's a discipline in an AE firm that is you know often neglected I mean it's it's, it's you know it's not thought of as a strategic element of the business um, but I think I mean the, the the thing we talk about categorically right now, I, I think that there's two like big things ha that have been happening over the last seven or eight years that are sort of driving um, how a firm goes to market. And the first one is is really a differentiation challenge, which is you know if you stop and think about it, most most architects and most engineers just sort of think of themselves as generalists. Uh, I can design anything, mm. I can build anything. It doesn't really matter what it is. But the reality is that we've we've been through this sort of like, you know, if you look at the history of construction, this is U.S. centric, by the way. So for your European listeners, I don't know if this data holds up in, in Europe. But um, in the U.S., if you look at construction trends over the last 70, 80 years, construction in and of itself has a very in, inherently cyclical business. It's, it just, it just, it's like a sine wave you know, of mm -hmm. construction goes up and down. And what happened in this last recession was there was so much overheat overheated building pre-recession that the the peak was much higher than it than it should have been it was artificially raised mm. and the trough was much deeper so what that did is just kind of threw the whole supply demand equation out of whack and so all of a sudden what we're seeing is just and it's still there is that there are just a lot more firms competing for every major capital project and what that's done is it's sort of raised the the expectation for how you're going to differentiate a firm, you know, so you went from a situation where to win a piece of business, a firm could go show a handful of projects in a specific vertical and have some success. Hmm. Now clients are going, hey, I need to see more work, more recent, more narrow. So even I've talked to like healthcare only architecture firms, all they do is healthcare, and that's not good enough. You know, they're they're competing to do a pediatric oncology center and the client wants to see what have you done in pediatric oncology so it's getting that narrow hmm. and then the the other element of that is that they're also looking at the firm and saying well 
what what knowledge do you have? So yeah, you've done this before, but that doesn't mean you know anything. What have you built? What do you know? And so they're really studying thought leadership and looking for firms that are bringing thought leadership to the equation. So, so sort of equation number one is differentiation. I think that's like the big macro trend that firms are really struggling with is, is how do they differentiate to win work? And the second thing we talk a lot about is this idea of changing buying behavior. And I think it's, it's the biggest thing I always say is, is the best clients are sort of taking a don't call us, we'll find you mentality. So, so they're sort of resistant to traditional marketing. So the things that firms have used historically, outbound lead generation, relationship building, event-based marketing, a lot of that stuff is just not working mm-hmm. as well as it used to. Um, and a lot more firms are really sort of vetting firms online and they're sort of um, they're either a they're willing to cut across they're willing to go way across geographic markets to bring in an expert so they'll you know I'm in Columbus Ohio they'll they'll go way outside of Columbus Ohio to bring in a categorical expert on a project or they're looking for a firm with a very specific set of expertise experience at a specific size within a certain geography I want a firm that has experience designing manufacturing facilities located somewhere within this 200 mile radius. I don't know who they are, but I'm going to go find them. So what that means ultimately, I think for the firms is that if, if you're, if you're not visible online in some way, you might as well not exist because that's how the best clients are sort of looking for firms. Um, at least for, I like to say like small to mid-sized firms. So, I mean, I think that the equations change a lot when you're when you're at the very top of the of the of the world with CH2M Hill and Flora and those types of firms, I think it's a lot different dynamic when it's a 250 million dollar capital investment and they're they're really looking at you know a handful of global firms. I think it's a little different. But. Right. Yes. Well, that sounds I guess familiar also here in in Europe. Perhaps not as as much as uh, uh, in in the USA, but uh, I certainly uh, we have all all also had these cyclical developments and and um, the problems that come from that um, well uh, you you mentioned uh, thought leadership or or showing your expertise and so on now we have a, a thing called content marketing and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, that's something that's probably a bit new to the AE uh, community perhaps or how do you see it? Are they already savvy in, in content marketing? I think it's a year up, sir. I think it's very new. Uh, we've been talking about it inside the community for, you know, three years uh, or more. And when we first started talking about the concept, we were just getting sort of dumbfounded looks. Like, what are you talking about? This makes no sense. Um, it doesn't work that way here and all these sort of resistance. Um, within the last six months, we're seeing more and more firms really either exploring the topic so so there there be, there comes like a, a place where the the leadership of the firm sort of is hearing about the topic and is asking the marketing function to give him or her some input on what it is and 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 how to apply it or we're seeing firms that are actually you know actively saying we have to participate in this approach to marketing and we're not really sure how to do it and we need to go out to the market and get some advice um so I, I, you're right. I think that it is, you know, in the context of professional services firms, AE firms on, on this topic are definitely a laggard. They're very far behind, kind of categorically speaking. Um, but they're also recognizing that there's a lot of really good reasons to invest in that approach to marketing. Yes. Um, 
I saw that you some somewhere mentioned uh, somewhere on your presentations you were talking about a new model for AE marketing. Can you explain that a little bit? Well, the way the way I think this is a little bit complex, but um, I'll try to make it make sense. But the way I think about it is is there's a I think the leading edge firms are saying we want to compete on our knowledge. We want to compete on what we know, not on our relationships or our fees. So, so we don't want to rely on rainmakers to go out and and build these these you know deep relationships with clients to try to drive business. What we want to do is we want to build an accretive knowledge platform, and we want to turn that knowledge platform into thought leadership. And they're recognizing that um, that 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 content and thought leadership is sort of the tool to do that. But getting at high quality thought leadership requires a couple things. It's 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 a more sort of inclusive marketing model, right? We have to cut across the whole firm. We can't just rely on a handful of people to basically go out and work relationships and bring in work. We have to basically engage really almost the whole firm in the process of knowledge building. And there's a couple ways firms are doing that. So firms are you know approaching this, you know, there's really Three or three things that firms are doing to make that work. You know, the first is that they're investing in knowledge management. So they're they're investing in platforms like Synthesis, which is um, uh, a knowledge management platform for architecture, multi-location architecture engineering firms um, built by Knowledge Architecture in San Francisco. So they're investing in platforms like that that let them essentially extract knowledge out of their subject matter experts through a closed social intranet, and then translate that knowledge into thought leadership. So that's one way they're getting at that thought leadership. The second way they're getting at it is they're, they're, in, they're investing in research. So you're seeing firms, the best example I, I always like to use is a firm in St. Louis called PGAV Destinations that does a lot of really, really high quality primary research on very specific challenges faced by their very unique clientele. And that research is basically the backbone of their thought leadership and the backbone of their practice. And and they're they're investing in research, we always say, I actually took this from Chris Parsons at Knowledge Architecture, but they're investing in research that that creates both practice advantage and marketing advantage. So it's going to actually teach them something to make their practice actually be more valuable to their clients, and it's going to also give them a tangible piece of thought leadership that makes them um, more effective as a marketer. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing they're doing is they're I'm seeing a lot of firms that are doing one of two things. They're either working with journalists, they're either hiring journalists, so ex-journalists into the marketing function to basically go and extract the stories from the subject matter experts and turn them into content, or then they're partnering with an agency like ours um, to do the same thing. And they're using that content online, and it's and, and they're using it in a lot of ways, right? They're using it to improve search engine visibility. They're using it to build trust. So they're, you know, one of the things we talk about a lot with content is that it basically builds trust before the relationship happens. So there's sort of this um, sort of belief system in the AE community that it's all about relationships. But the one thing we always talk about is where does the relationship start? Relationships don't just magically appear. Um, they have to start somewhere. And in a world where it's getting more difficult to initiate the relationship, that content is sort of the entree to a relationship before it happens. Right. That that was really um, good insight on this topic. Uh, have you seen any companies uh, co- cooperate with the or collaborate with the academic world, or using um, academics or researchers for their uh, research? 
Uh, off the top of my head, I can't think of a specific firm that's doing it, but I know it's a very, very smart strategy and one that we're seeing management consulting firms do mm-hmm. um, a lot. And we're seeing actually a lot of companies do that right now. In fact, we actually work with um, what's called the National Center for the Middle Market, which in the U.S. is basically a, a research institute at the Ohio State University that studies the middle market of the U.S. economy. And it's actually a partnership between GE Capital and the Ohio State University. And it's exactly the same model. It's basically it's it's it exists to to develop useful insight into middle market businesses that GE Capital can use to to better serve their clients and it also is basically an engine for thought leadership so it's it, we're seeing that we're seeing we're seeing some architecture firms partner with other entities so like array architects did a partnership with i want to say i have to look i want to say it was deloitte i think they did a piece of thought leadership with deloitte on healthcare um to, do, to kind of a joint thought leadership study so so we're seeing firms recognize to your point that if we're going to get this content thing right, we, we probably don't we probably don't have all the expertise or knowledge in house to do it. And so to go partner with someone who maybe serves the same clientele from a different perspective or is interested in the topic from a different perspective makes a lot of sense. Yes. I think so too. Yeah. Um well, I know from my clients that the challenge that they have when we are talking about content marketing or any content creation that's outside of their projects is it's very difficult. They don't seem to have time for that. Do you have any practical advice or tips on, on how to get the people inside the company to create content? Um. That's a really good question. I mean, I think that the, the there's there's a couple things that we do with clients. So the the first thing we see is you have you have if you look across uh, a firm, you know, if a firm's got fifty people or a hundred people, there's usually going to be pockets of pe- there's going to be a, a group of people in there that are very resistant to this whole idea. You know, they're just like, hey, you know, I, I, I'm not comfortable writing. I don't have time to write. They just don't really buy in, and they don't even really understand sort of the premise, right? And so I think what you do with those folks is you is is early on you just kind of just set them aside and ignore them. You go, okay, you know, I'm not going to convert someone who doesn't believe that this is important. Um, and usually, but usually, what we find in, in a in a in a firm of of that size is there's a handful of people that are really interested in being engaged in this way, and they really want to be a part of something. And so usually, what we suggest the firm do is create. Uh, sort of a sub program around it for that very specified niche. So maybe it's, you know, a certain market segment, or maybe it's a certain discipline, and we create sort of a content channel for that for that one audience. And it's like a pilot program. And so we kind of just activate the people that are motivated to participate, who really want to participate. They're willing to basically, you know, put the effort in, and then prove out that it works. And so get them show success and then generally other people will sort of kind of come aboard because they're seeing their peers have success. Um, right. Yeah, that's good. I'll, I'll certainly try to use that. <laughs> um, well, you, you already told a little bit what, about what you do actually with the clients. Um, what else can you, can you say? Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you can, 
don't ask me too many questions. What your listeners will be here all day. I'm teasing. Uh, um, the uh, the one thing that we do, like the, probably the, the the biggest thing that we do, we're doing the most right now is is a lot of web design. And, and the biggest thing that we're finding is this 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 new marketing model, right? This sort of transition. Um, most firm websites are just not tooled for it. So I, I like to say that most firm websites tell a very simple 1D story. So it's a one-dimensional story all about projects, projects, projects. So if you go to 80% of, of AE firms' websites, pretty much all you're going to find is glamour shots of past work and maybe some short snippet content about what those projects were all about. But you're going to find no content, no thought leadership, and you're going to find no people. Actually, which is actually really interesting. You know, you, you have this business that we all talk about is inherently a, pe- a people business. Nothing gets bought until there's a conversation and a meeting. Yet we 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 sort of shield and hide our people in the way we market online. And so, a lot of what we're doing is is as firms are sort of embracing and going, wait a minute, we need to we need to compete on knowledge. We need to produce mindful thought leadership. A lot of times there, there's a there's a pretty significant upgrade to the web platform that has to happen to enable it to do those things. Um, it's a whole different way of thinking about both the functional nature of the website, what it actually does, you know, how it actually operates and what content it houses, houses, and then philosophically, sort of like what is the objective of this site and how does it fit into the overall business model? And that's sort of requires a bit of a uh, uh, well, it requires a lot of advice. Mm. I mean, in reality. So, All right. and then another piece we do is really just everything we talked about today. It's really helping firms basically build a content-based marketing model. So, identify the big topics they want to own, identify the formats they want to produce, identify the frequency by, by which they want to produce them, identify the model by which they're going to do it. Are they going to outsource content development? Are they going to hire someone internally? To expand their staff? Are they going to do both? Are they going to partner? Like you just said, I mean, that's a great point. You know, are they going to go partner with a with an academic institution or another research institution to produce some some co branded research that can become the basis for content? So, how are we going to produce it? There's a lot of of what we're doing, and then just helping the clients actually get it done. Because, like you said, it's it's um, it's hard for them to sustain. So, a lot of times, they just need help. Yeah. Well, this I I, I think that. What we have heard so far is very interesting, and, and I'm sure that many of the listeners would like to know how to get more information about this, uh, all this. And I, I know you have a newsletter, and you have a lot of stuff on your on your website and so on. But uh, where should they s- start? When, when yeah, I mean, at least at least for our our website so if you go to rattleback.com um, right on the home page there's a sign up form or if you go to the I think at the on the top navigation there's a section called thoughts and there's that's where our we have a blog we produce a monthly blog or excuse me we produce a weekly blog and we produce uh, a monthly article and then we do occasionally a webcast or a, a piece of research around these topics and, uh, and and if just sign up for our newsletter if you sign up for a newsletter basically the you know our email comes out uh, roughly once a week so so you know every Tuesday and Thursday we try to put something in the inbox that's useful um, on how to you know better market differentiate a, a an AE firm um, I can't say we we're, we're perfect on delivering every week but that's certainly our goal <laughs> <laughs> I know yeah all right um, it was very nice talking to you and and I think this was awesome and I wish 
all the best to your work and and a good year uh, 2015. Thank you, Arnie. I appreciate you you inviting me to to participate in the podcast series, and I really appreciate you taking the time to do it because we've we've like I said before, we've we've done some podcast interviews of this type, and it's a lot of work. And so I I really appreciate you basically giving of your time to the community because it is it's it's a lot of work, and it and it takes people who are committed to doing it and doing it right, and and you do so. Okay. So thank you. Okay, thank you. Okay, bye bye. Bye. business.com business inspiration for architects engineers and contractors